Do you know how many of these things there are? <laughs> there's how many like, Christmas specials? There's like 13. And, and oh, I think yeah. like 14 if you count like the New Year's one from last year. Yeah. There's a ton of these. I, I don't. I mean, I, I think we have to draw a line at some point. Yeah, we're going to uh, have to, if we're going to talk about all of them, we're going to like set some ground rules. <laughs> like we're going to have to like literally only say one thing. Right. <laughs> about one each word one. for the Christmas invasion. Yeah. <laughs> It was invasive. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to this. All right. Let's see what's going on. It's here on Pull to Open slash Who Do You Love (laughs) slash The Oncoming Storm. Love it. Um, And those are the the ones I like the most. (laughs) The Oncoming Storm. I feel like The Oncoming Storm is a good segment in the show. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe maybe that's the segment where we talk about who mythology or or just like or, what what's coming up next. Yeah, like, no, that's true. Yeah, we the can next episode. That's the yes, we can talk about and what's coming next with who itself. Uh, we can talk about Spyfall. All of it. Spyfall premiering on uh, New Year's Day. Yeah, and that that sort ABC of kicks off the whole new season, right? Yeah, so it's just not going technically. Right they're just going right in. It's not even a New Year's special. And usually um, you have the special and you have kind of like, ah, oh, you can kind of like, okay, take it in and, and, you know, absorb the specialness of it. But then it's like, boom, oh, wow, we're just getting new who every week. That's right. And it's not even, they're doing that thing where the first episode of Spyfall is on uh, January the 1st on BBC and BBC America. Then the second episode is on January the 5th. Uh, so you know we only it's get not four even a week. days. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! Uh, I didn't realize yeah. that. I didn't look at I, the scheduling that closely. I think that after that they go week to week, but they wanted to tie it up because apparently it's um, it's 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 quite a cliffhanger. I see. Uh, I, I read in Doctor Who magazine between episodes one and two. Okay. Well, you're you're more informed than I am. I'm I'm more the guy who tries to avoid spoilers and then. Therefore, avoids any and all information other than like the broadcast time. That's usually what well, that's my perfect. my mo. That's so perfect. I, this I is I'm good. the guy who goes into spoilers, just charges straight in. I, I even get really annoyed with myself if I accidentally go to like the Wikipedia page where the titles are pre-filled in. Usually, when after they're announced and stuff, and I'm just ah, <laughs> oh, now I have some inkling of what this is about. Dang it. Yeah, see, it's that that's a divide right down the middle of uh, fandom in general. I think it, it it it's it's a psychological thing. I looked into this for the Star Wars book, that roughly fifty percent of the population has a better experience with stories if they know spoilers in advance. Yeah, because uh, you can sort of start to get a shape of the story in your head, uh, and I'm definitely in that category. And it sounds like you're in the other half of the population. Yeah, I, I just don't want to know anything. I, I really kind of want to replic- replicate those sort of childhood moments I had when I, I truly didn't know anything. Like I would, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially seeing stuff probably a year or two later after it was broadcast in Britain. But I mean, this is way pre-internet. Mm-hmm. And I was 12, I don't know, like I was a, a preteen. And I remember that moment... Uh, when I saw Earthshock for the first time. Mm. Um, and I, I really didn't even know what it was about or who was in it. And um, it gets to the end of that first episode, and there's this zoom in on the Doctor, and then you see the big reveal 
that it's the Cybermen. Spoiler alert to people who <laughs> may have been waiting since 1982 or whenever it was broadcast. But the, the Cybermen are the big bad in this episode. And I was just, uh, I had never kind of seen a proper Cybermen story. I'd heard about them, you know, and seen them in uh, the covers of novels and stuff at that point. Um, but then mm. I saw that and I, I thought they were so cool just from the look of them. And then I saw, oh my God, I'm, I'm finally seeing a, a proper Cyberman story. And, and then it's, oh wow, this is so cool. Like, I mean, that moment was just so everything to me in terms of like my, um, uh, doctor who kind of like, you know, going from, you know, 60 to a hundred or, you know, whatever your metaphor is. And, and then just like, okay, I'm all in. Um, it, it was, it was great and uh, you know i've I'm not, i don't think i've ever quite had it since mm. um because i started sort of reading magazines and doing other stuff i mean there's there's been there were moments actually you know what remembrance of the daleks was pretty close but i feel like we're getting in a bit of a digression <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> well i'm glad you didn't give the ultimate spoiler of earth shock because maybe there are yes. some viewers out there who want to know if adric can make it yeah uh, you know i gotta say yeah the um we should probably be careful, a little careful about that, because I know there are new fans who want to still discover the old show, mm. and there might be, I don't know. I, I feel like you would just go to the internet and learn everything, but, you know, there's so much mm. of it. I don't know. You might want to just go and experience it. It's, it's probably a good rule to say that unless we're specifically discussing a story this week, we won't necessarily throw in the spoileriest of spoilers. Yeah, I'm into that. Well, yeah, yeah. So speaking of so, discussing shows on a certain week, which is uh, what we're trying to do. So what we we, we want to do here from my basement in uh, the greater New York City area, and you, in, are you in the attic? Where are you? <laughs> yes, I'm in the upstairs office. I'm mean, referring uh, a lot the, from the yes. slope in your ceiling there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on a on a slant uh, just in this corner yeah. here. This is uh, this is a large office room. It's mine and my wife's. Uh, if I look out to my right, I can see both the Golden Gate Bridge and the Bay Bridge. Wow! Uh, but yeah, we we call That's this nice room X. Dang! This is look this is you. our shared office. It's it's not bad. I mean, it's you know we we have a little little bungalow here up on the uh, Berkeley Hills and. Um, it's pretty sweet. We've been here for about seven years now, but yeah, it is, uh, we should probably place ourselves in time as well. It's Saturday, December 28th, 2019. That's right. Saturday oh, night. <laughs> it's Saturday night. And that means Dr. Who. It does uh, mean. It certainly means Dr. Who to me. I, I don't know when Dr. Who would be broadcast in the U S but, uh, in the UK, it always had that association with Saturday night. Well, it, uh, funnily enough, it was for me as well, growing up in Canada, because um, we got Doctor Who from uh, PBS in the States. So, you know, the Canadian networks would, um, or the, the Canadian cable companies would rebroadcast or, you know, basically acquire a bunch of American channels as part of the package. And so PBS was one of them. And they would uh, show uh, complete Doctor Who stories, actually. So they would actually edit together Ooh. A four or six episode um, story, and honestly, if it went longer than that, because some of the older ones went even longer, some of them went eight or twelve episodes. Uh, uh-huh. Actually, twelve was only one time, uh, but right. uh, they Darling might split. They, they might split it into two, uh, but otherwise, they would they would edit them all together. So, 
which was That's an interesting weird. way to watch it. Um, I think history has judged it the wrong way to watch it mm. in that you want the, the cliffhangers. You want the cliffhangers. Yeah, you do. And luckily, while they were broadcasting these complete adventures, this was the Tom Baker stuff, they were mm. broadcasting complete adventures essentially as reruns on Saturday nights. They would broadcast what was the quote-unquote current uh, episodes, which was the Davison mm. uh, stuff. Uh, that was daily. That was on uh, seven p.m. I want to say at the okay. time. Okay, so you, you still got the you got the Davison cliffhangers, but when they showed old stuff, yeah, it would be stitched together. So, so I that's... got it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I understood. Like, oh, this is a half-hour show that's a cliffhanger, and they're they're putting it together on the weekend. So you know, I kind of like did my own little head stuff of like, oh, I get it. You know, like mm. I, I know what should be happening here, and and so I, I like to think I appreciated those complete adventures. I mean, you can uh, see why they would do way. that, right? It's, you know, the, <laughs> you watch all, you watch classic who now and you see the, uh, you know, they, they always just go back three minutes at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, come on. I just watched this. But by, well, by, by stitching it together that way, you're missing not just the cliffhanger itself, but also that, that lead in to the theme tune at the end of the episode yeah, kind of scare. I always think of well, you know some demonic character putting his hand down an organ, you know, doing the uh, whatever they call it, glissando. It's all the way down. I mean that that was one of the scariest sounds of my childhood. Oh Just yeah. that the cliffhanger noise yeah. at the end of each episode. Oh, it was, it, was it was a moment, and you kind of needed a moment, you know, yeah. after that, more than a moment to like sort of like whoa and talk to your friends and what's going to happen and blah blah blah. Um, and I also noticed um, you do miss out on on some footage, you know, mm. if, if, if you edit it together. Because um, actually, what what you do, what they would usually do is is pick a moment and go into the the retread into the next episode, which is essentially already an edit. But the there's there's actually usually some footage, at least a couple of moments. In the leading into the credits, that you 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 would no longer see, and as a fan, once you get into it, like oh wait, I'm missing out on on this moment. So, mm-hmm. the, and what sticks out to me the most, I think it was episode two of Resurrection of the Daleks in Davison's era. The Daleks come in and are like exterminate the Doctor, and there's like they're plunging him to the wall, and they're going to do it. And there's this there's this ultra close-up extreme close-up to peter davison's face and mm. he's just kind of like oh i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut to like the credits and that 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 close-up is gone if you huh. if you edit it together it's because it's, it's gone in the next episode they just kind of come up to him and then in someone obviously there's some you know 11 like last second like oh don't don't kill him we need to duplicate him or something um mm. So so I would like well wh- where's the bit? I want to see the the little bit. And so now yeah. thankfully all the DVDs are like come on this is this is an episodic show. Let's release it the way it was broadcast is the way it's meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. And if people want to skip the credits uh, as they can like they can you can do that on disc. So it's like yeah. you go into the cliffhanger, maybe you go to the bathroom and get a snack, maybe you don't and skip it, but it's like, you know, right. I, it's I, the seventh inning stretch of That's Dr. how you're Who. supposed to do it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah. But yeah, to, all of which is to say that Saturday night was very important. As I mean, I, I like that we have differing perspectives on Doctor Who. You don't like spoilers. I love them. You know, uh, I yeah. have the UK perspective. You have the Canadian perspective. I'm the West Coast of the US. You're on the East Coast. All these, oh, yeah. you know, fascinating different perspectives. We should probably get to the meat of this episode, <laughs> which is what we kind of wanted to do. <laughs> it being December 28th, and because it's that time of year... And we've just been feasting on some reruns of Christmas specials, uh, which has been a treat for the Doctor Who community since 2005. Right. Um, not counting the Feast of Stephen. Not counting the Feast of Stephen. Yeah. Wow. I sort of <laughs> did a little Freudian slip there, I guess. Yeah. Old um, school. Old school. But then no one's ever, I'm not even sure that's an episode we can see, is it? No, no. Um, I long lost, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, since 2005, they've had Christmas specials. It's it's become a tradition. It's come, become such a tradition that since they moved it to New Year's last year, um, I think I, I I it's I'm basing this mostly on an anecdotal uh, uh, thing for my wife, but I'm pretty sure most people are still like, well, how come they didn't do a Christmas special? Where's the Christmas special? And it's like, well, it's a New Year's special. They just switched it up. It's like, why why would mm. they do that? Why are they switching it up? Well. And that's a fair question. Like, why are they? Why did they switch it up? I know it's a new doctor, new time, but I mean, it's it's become this tradition. Like, why mess with it? I mean, I I'm personally glad of it. Um, I I don't want to sound like a Scrooge here, but I sort of feel like the Christmas specials were played out. Okay. I f I feel that we had every possible variation. You know, we we went from the completely schmaltzy to the cheesy to the silly to the funny to the existential uh to the superhero uh and it, yeah less yeah, so about that glad one, you saved that one for last <laughs> um and i think ending it with twice upon a time kind of you know having that be the last christmas special um with literally it, it, not quite scraping the bottom of the barrel to talk about the christmas truce in world war one as that as that show does but it's you know, it, it's like the last Christmas thing that they could possibly think of to relate to Doctor Who. And it's in there and it's good. And it's a regeneration story. It's a double regeneration story. Uh, I kind of feel like it, it ended the Christmas specials with a bang. And um, I, I personally would not, you know, maybe in three or four years time we can go back to them. But it, it sort of feels to me like they played out. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there. And I'm, I'm always mm. willing to try something different. Mm. Um I'm sort of almost thinking of it as a franchise audience expectation thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough to retrain an audience that I think for 13 years straight has been sort of taught to do this thing and, and have this ritual. Um, so, but I, I would totally agree. Like, well, you know, it's almost like when Davies was ticking off all the big bads, you know, Dalek, Cyberman, the master, Davros, and then it's like, okay, well, what's left? And, uh, you know, like, you, you then you start going to the B and C list of stuff, and, uh, you know, I don't think that was the reason he left or anything, but it was all mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, so we're, we're, we're kind of done with the major reboot stuff. So, in, in a yeah. similar vein, they're like, they did, you know, Santa and uh, the Christmas Carol and, and um, uh, you know, a ton, a ton of other stuff, the, the town called Christmas, Gary Snowman, whatever yeah. it is. Um, so yeah, yeah, let's yeah, go ahead. Some, do... some of them were more shoehorned than others. 
And then New <laughs> Certainly Year's, the regeneration well, Christmas story is very shoehorned. You could argue New Year's has even less. And mm. you, uh, I mean, there aren't really the same kind of stories that have been told about New Year's. I mean, you know, it's 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 really just a story of renewal of some kind, maybe. Or maybe right. you don't even need a theme. I mean, is yeah. it themeless? I mean, they had resolution last year, right? That, that's pretty much the only New Year theme that there is. Yeah. <laughs> Making a resolution to be a different person and to start again, which sort of permeates that episode. Um, so, yeah, what else What else do you do? Do you yeah. have a New Year's Eve-themed episode and, you know, have <laughs> something based around old Lang Syne, you know? Uh, <laughs> the doctor goes to a New Year's Eve party. I don't know. And they're, they're clinking champagne and it's really a bomb or something like that. <laughs> Um, or the, the monsters, the champagne, I don't know. Uh, but I'm glad you started yeah. with Twice Upon a Time, because this could maybe mm-hmm. establish some ground rules. Why don't we work backwards? Yes. And I got to say, Twice Upon a Time, I like it a lot in some ways. But one of the things that's bothered me about Capaldi's run, and I think it culminates in, in Twice Upon a Time, is that he's all... Like, like the central conflict in Twice Upon a Time is like, do I... It's essentially like, do I live or die, right? Mm. And it's his choice. And it's like, it seems like a dumb conflict to me. Like, of course yeah. you're going to live. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah, and it's it's a little weird because it's sort of unspoken that maybe the doctor knows that he's going to regenerate into a woman. Um, and that's why he doesn't want to change. Well, it's, it's a little odd. I mean, well, we, we can get thing. into my whole regeneration theory of the doctor focusing on like the last thing he sees before he regenerates. Right. Oh, and, wow. And, that's yeah, a good that's, theory. <laughs> I do want to hear that theory. It's, I mean, look, he, uh, he sees Amy Pond and then he turns into a Scotsman. Oh, you know, he, as the, <laughs> war, as the war doctor, he, he talks to Manchester based, uh, Clara Oswald or Manchester accented Clara Oswald and turns into, you know, similarly accented, uh, Christopher Eccleston. Right. Um, I think they also both I, I wore can... leather at some point. <laughs> yes, he he's he's talking to Rose after he regenerates from Eccleston, and and he uh, adopts Rose ac- Rose's accent as uh, as Ten yeah. as David Tennant. Um, That's which so yeah, I, well, <laughs> I, I, a, yeah, maybe I feel a little like bit. it's unspoken, but it's you know we we definitely know that the Doctor is trying to remind himself of things. Well, here's he my theory starts. about Twice Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. And he here's the thing. So you get to say, it depends on Day of the Doctor to me, which is that, mm. um, or rather Time of the Doctor, excuse me, the previous uh, Christmas special where Matt Smith regenerated. And so that's that was the big one, right? Like Matt Smith mm-hmm. was ostensibly the last incarnation of the old cycle, and he gets a whole new cycle and it's kind of a surprise. You know, you don't really know until that episode where he establishes, oh, actually, I've used 12 regenerations. And he goes over them. And it's like, yeah. okay. So then he gets... So so you, you never had, like, in, in Matt Smith's whole era, you never had this prep. You never had him looking at his morality, or sorry, mortality, excuse me, and, mm-hmm. and thinking about living, dying. Does he have a right to go on? Does he, like, like what does this mean? And so, because he wanted to save that as kind of a surprise in that episode, that, oh, he's the last one. Oh, look, he's got, like, a whole new cycle. So the thing is, he never got to explore what he should have explored as the last incarnation of the Doctor. 
which is mm. that do you live or die? Like that would have been way more appropriate for that incarnation. So I feel like I feel like Moffat went and had had stories to tell there. And you you see yeah. it with the whole last run of Capaldi, his whole last season, you have all these immortal characters, right? Like Ashilda and all and, and they talk about like what's going on. They, they constantly visit the end of the universe and where, where nobody's around. And mm. and like you know, these reflect and the doctor spends billions of years in a confession. There's there's these really like mind blowing, like, wow, live forever kind of ideas that are going on with Capaldi and it sort of culminates in twice upon a time, but it's too late. You know, it's like, well, we, we, you're the first doctor of this new, new cycle. Like, how could you possibly be thinking of dying? And it's like, it's almost like he didn't get that out of his system with Smith because of that whole narrative, like mm. surprise thing. And he did it there, but it, it, it doesn't result to me in any dramatic tension. Because it's like, yeah. well, duh, of course you're going to regenerate. And where where were you this last is, regeneration? This this is – we're sort of touching on a bigger problem with Doctor Who in, in general, which is I think it, it doesn't um, seem interested enough in its own mythology. Right. Except in these few moments where – or these few episodes around regeneration where the Doctor suddenly gets a little bit sort of morbid um, – you know, and you start to hear the cloister bell, and uh, doctors like, "Oh, it's time." You know, yeah. uh, you have you have these Legopolis like moments, and uh, it's yeah, and you feel that to your point, you should be talking about this sort of thing all the time. Matt Smith, if he knew he was the last regeneration, should have been maybe referencing that here and there. Maybe uh, yeah. the snowman, you know, when he's sort of down after Amy Pond. Not, not to zoom well, around in time. And also uh, possibly much, a little but... more hesitant to get into yeah. sort of life-threatening situations, you know, here and there. Like, mm. there would have been a lot of interesting things to explore had they yeah. known they were even going to do that. But clearly Instead, it was... we, we it just was... have to layer it on, right? It's just our headcanon, right? The, you know, my, my personal headcanon is that Matt Smith was, uh, as, as a doctor, was so young and exuberant, uh, perhaps because he was trying to distract himself from being... The last regeneration, yeah, you know, much in the, in the style of uh, David Tennant in End of Time, kind of you know you see him partying because he knows he's about to regenerate. Uh, that's what the Ood told him. Um, yeah, there would have know, been it would have been good to, to explore um, yeah. more than just what they did. I think Smith, and I'll I'll get into this as we talked about Smith's Christmas specials, but I think his whole thing uh, is selling the young energy. And then switching it in an instant to mm. the wise thousand year old or plus uh time lord and with that wisdom uh was probably one of his best qualities and right. he really sold it and yeah. had the had it been wrapped around a sort of a bigger arc that we were just sort of talking about i think it would have been even better um, we can't spend too so much the... time on any one episode here, <laughs> so we're going to have to keep going back in time. And the one before Twice Upon a Time is, uh, unfortunately, Ugh. the return of Doctor Mysterio, uh, yeah. which I found really super forgettable. I, oh, super forgettable! I like what you did there. Yes, super forgettable. <laughs> you're you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, not much to say about that episode. Uh, nice idea. Um, very. Very uh, sort of featuring the worst elements of Moffat style storytelling in in one 
you know, in one uh, hard to swallow episode. It just, ugh. Well, the problem is, I I like Doctor Who. I like superheroes. Mm -hmm. I I should have liked this, but Mm -hmm. as you sort of say, he's not really interested in world building and making it, like, selling it in some way. Like, none of the characters act in any realistic way, and they don't even act Doctor Who realistic. This right. is kind of my problem with Doctor Mysterio. It doesn't fit in our world, and it doesn't fit in the Doctor Who world. You know, I find it, that w- whenever Doctor Who goes to America or tries to in- introduce American themes, it's it's always kind of a crapshoot. I'm not sure if if it's ever really worked. You know, they started it with the Gunslingers, and uh, that <laughs> that sort of famously didn't work. Um, you know, maybe oh, the gunfighters. I, w- I wasn't sure gun- what you were talking. about. Gun- Sorry, gunfighters. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like uh, the gunfighters, but anyway, go on. Yeah, you know, this, it, and it's a problem of UK shows trying to do the US in general. You know, they they tend towards the cowboy, you know. Uh, I did the like... The doctor goes to Utah and he wears a 10-gallon hat. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. that was a little over the top. But I did like <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Van Staten in Dalek in the first season. I, mm. thought, I thought that was sort of the, the... There wasn't a lot of real, you know, America per se but i right. thought they sort of nailed the what they were trying to sort of say about americans and that yes and and how so to Do- contrast with the doctor who world in a real yeah, so doctor mysterio suffers from that fake americanism i think that's that's one of the elements that that doesn't work about it but yeah it's just uh, forgettable yeah, definitely forgettable. So let, let's let's Hot not mass. spend any more time on that. <laughs> uh, we've got to go back in time again to 2015 to the husbands of River Song. How, yeah. What did you think about that one? Solid episode. Um, relies perhaps a little too much on the notion that River doesn't or couldn't possibly understand who who the current Doctor is. Um, yeah, you know she's she's got her wallet full of uh the the previous doctors and she's meeting capaldi for the first time she doesn't see any doctorness in it i mean i i can sort of i can i can suspend my disbelief about that um beautiful ending beautiful way to say goodbye to river and that's really the only thing i really remember about it is the ending um Mm -hmm. and and some of the jokes where he she doesn't know who he is and he's kind of playing along um and the oh. fact that it's Nardole is in it, it's it's where Nardole is introduced. Yeah, which is which he was, he was fun. Uh, mm. They kind of brought him back, even though he was kind of dead. I mean, I can't really remember. Yeah. It was weird. Um, but you know, I, I, the ending really saves it. it, it it's quite yeah. beautiful, um, and I, I I liked it as like okay, you know, this is this is it for River, who had gotten pretty tiresome at that point. I mean, I, mm. I don't know if they actually intended to bring her back, even. Uh, and, and they just thought maybe thought of this story. Oh wait, there's one more thing we need to do with her. Um, yeah, it, it was a beautiful way to go out, better than I, th- I think than uh, the name of the Doctor, which is the last time we saw her. It's interesting. Kind of the last thing I'll say about it: it's interesting that I would say Alex Kingston and Peter Capaldi were probably more age appropriate, yes, than Smith, <laughs> but they had less chemistry. You know, like Smith and Kingston were they had chemistry. Uh, I, I like the idea of them basically going on a what is it twenty six year year date yeah. at the end. <laughs> um, I figure they'll find their chemistry, right? <laughs> They've got some time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I love that idea that it, they get that long a goodbye. So let's rewind again. 
mm. to the one uh, we were just talking about a bit ago, uh, Last yeah. Christmas. Yes, my favorite Doctor Who Christmas special. Me too. Um, I, I just rewatched it just to confirm that it is my favorite. And I just went back and reread the review that I wrote of of Last Christmas immediately after it aired. Um, and I, you know, got quite eloquent about it and i tied it into this notion that we used to tell ghost stories at christmas mm -hmm. and christmas sort of became o overwhelmed with schmaltz but from you know as we know from the song the most wonderful time of the year which was born the year, same year as doctor who um you know that has this line about we'll tell scary ghost stories and tells of the glories of christmas as long ago but scary ghost stories we'd lost that and and doctor who had lost that and this is the close the closest that Doctor Who ever gets to telling Christmas story that is actually scary. Scary. Uh, I mean, yeah, you feel some real peril. Yeah. Uh, which is hard. Uh, like, I mean, I sympathize a little bit with what I remember for this one. I, I did cover it and I actually got to interview Stephen Moffat. Mm -hmm. uh, it was on a, a group call, but you talked about how it's, it's tough to do a Christmas special because you you need to amp up you need to amp it up is basically what his philosophy was you know because yeah. it's like you're, it's Christmas Day everyone's had you know they're they're all had tons of chocolate and drinks and whatever and the whole family's there and you really need to like shock them right you need to get them to shut up first of all <laughs> and watch the TV and that's you know and he employs a different trick in each of his specials to do that and with this one it's playing Slade's Merry Christmas everyone. Um, you know, in, in the scene where uh, Shona's in the infirmary, I uh, remember she's got to sort of distract herself from the face huggers. Right. It's very early in the episode, and they play Slade's Merry Christmas, everyone, uh, which which in Britain is sort of as, as close as we get to a, a Christmas national anthem. Uh, you hear it coming out of pubs everywhere at Christmas, usually <laughs> when everyone's very drunk. So it is the ultimate symbol for, you know, hey, drunk Christmas people, shut up, listen, watch the TV. So he throws that in. And then he can get away with getting super existential after that and super scary. Oh, it's really scary. And that's the one one regret I have about Last Christmas is it's it's, uh, it's the one Christmas special that I've never watched with my kids because it is too scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they've mm -hmm. they haven't gotten through that base under siege part where the, the the spider thingies or whatever are going around and they're it's just it is scary and which is uh, to its credit it's like wow you're you're instilling this this real sort of tension and fear that and stakes that you don't yeah. usually get um which is a great episode but it's also like i i don't i wonder if there's a lot of families out there that are like oh you know i mean this is supposed to be a kid show and you're you're terrifying them with these things um, although right. it, to to the episode's credit, I mean, you know, it 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 right away sort of quells that issue if you get far enough with Santa Claus, like the the yep. absolute best savior you could get for kids, and he comes in and just is like, hey, everything's good. And I gotta say, one it, whoever was naming Nick Frost, <laughs> when, <laughs> like it's the role he was born to play. It was the, clearly the role he was born to play. He is so good in that role, mm. and I, I just love how he sort of walks in, owns it, and even when he is revealed to be kind of this unconscious thing, and I'm not quite sure how they explained it, but he's still owning it. 
And it's like it's it's the one of the few times the guy's revealed to be a figment of your imagination. He's like, yeah, but yeah, I'm still looks, awesome. There's there's he that whole there's away. a line that's like you know, but you're just a figment of our imagination trying to save us. And he's like, you have just described Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, exactly. It's so good. And the the bit where he you know he zings the doctor, where the doctor's like, how do you carry all the presents on one sleigh? And he says, it's bigger on the inside. And the elves go, ooh, <laughs> you know, that's, that will never not be funny. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at the same time, you have the the scary blackboards. I mean, that's the the image that always sticks with me, and it stuck with me again watching it um, just now. You know, the scary blackboards that you know Clara wipes uh, the yeah. blackboard introduced in in the episode. Listen, and and she wipes them, and it says you're dreaming, and then it wipes them again. And it says you're dying, and then suddenly the corridor is filled with blackboards saying dying. My God, I mean yeah. that is one of the the most shiver-inducing so moments of new Doctor Who. I mean, this is not just my favorite Doctor Who Christmas special. It's, I'd say it's up there in my top three Capaldi. Yeah, oh, I, I would definitely put it up there. And mm. I gotta say, I, I, I wish it was Clara's swan song. Yes, you know, yes. Like if 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 it had been that, like, you know, I. I'm, this isn't a podcast about the issues of Clara and um, what have you, but it, it, if it, her actual swan song left sort of such a bad taste in my mouth, and yeah. had it been this, uh, I think it would have been, uh, you kind of would have been felt a little more sympathy and a more, I would have liked the character more, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a Clara hater. My, my wife is definitely a Clara hater. Um, I'm, you know, I'm more positive on her as a character than I think most people are. But I still would have preferred this as the song, song, uh, one song, which was the original plan, of course. Yeah. Um, and and just watching it again, her old age makeup is so good. You know, yes, that was kind of squandered, yes. and it just, you know, that that sort of time traveler's wife style notion of ending with, oh, you got old, and I, you know, I came back too late, and. Um, it's beautiful and poignant and yeah. They, and so and they sad. Just, and I, I guess mm. I get you couldn't, I mean, you could end it on it, but I don't know how you get it on it and still sort of have kind of a happy ending, but, um, it, it, it does the, the way that they do it, it does sort of preserve the Santa is real aspect, right? You don't have to tell your kids that no Santa's just a figment of your imagination because the way they do it, the last shot is, you know, the doctor voiceover going into the TARDIS saying, you know, I I feel so lucky that this was a, this all turned out okay. I don't know who to thank, and then we zoom down, and then there's the the tangerine, mm-hmm. and I just imagine every kid of a certain age watching that and going, Santa, yeah, you know, in that moment, like in and everything that's been said previously about Santa being a figment of your imagination, sort of wiped out by that moment with the tangerine. So at least it gave us that. Yeah, assuming you got that far. <laughs> uh, which is an open question. Um, so, mm-hmm. so to to sort of continue the Clara conversation, but go to sort of uh, the next outing or the previous outing, rather, uh, in the Snowman, which was sort mm-hmm. of Clara's true debut in a sense. I mean, she'd already been yeah. in uh, Asylum of the Daleks, but this was the mm-hmm. the next. You know, this is kind of like okay, here she is. And this that that episode. I mean. The snowman is Moffat being too clever by half in terms of, and I think it's, it's you know, it's, it's an, a constant nitpick with his whole tenure that he's being too clever by half. 
but by introducing Clara three times. Right. And both of the first two versions of Clara being so compelling. Yeah. But by the time you get to the third, you're like, eh, eh. Well, this gets I at the, whole... the first two. I I didn't. I mean, I did and I didn't. I mean, I know what you mean, but my problem is with Clara, and this is sort of the snowman hammers it home, is that she's she's really a Mary Sue. I mean, mm. she and I thought her debut, like her her true like her first scene with Matt Smith in this episode, is completely ridiculous. I mean, like. Like it's one of those things, and it's a constant thing I say with with, with like you say when Moffat is being too clever by half. It's like who acts this way? Like <laughs> who would ever say these lines and jump on a horse and carriage roof that's speeding away just to hang upside down and say something? I mean, you know, I I, I get the sort of dramatic thing he's trying to do, but it's like that's that's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that she's like this barmaid. Also, she's a governess, and she's super awesome at both. I mean, mm. it's it's also okay. Sure, she might not be some like amazing assassin or something, but that's 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 Mary Sue material. There, she's like this super awesome, clever person who just really seems to have no flaws. And I gotta say, okay, weird uh, going off on a tangent. I I just this this could be a a, a, a difference between me and you. But I hate the gang. I hate the Paternoster gang. Like those guys are like the most irritating thing Moffat ever introduced. And the fact this is the episode that they're basically uh, introduced anyway as as a gang. I think a couple mm. of the characters have been in before, but uh, it was just terrible. So like the snowman left a really bad taste in my mouth. And the only thing in my mind that redeemed it is sort of the twist ending and the big reveal of the great intelligence, which I thought was like, okay, that's pretty clever. I like that. Yeah, I I, I don't remember that much from The Snowman, despite just having read the Doctor Who magazine breakdown of it <laughs> just before. Um, well, I have to know your I, take on the gang now, now that I've, I've declared I, that I hate them so much that they must be forever, <laughs> never, I'm never listening to the Big Finish stuff. I'm sure all the actors are awesome and good people, but they just it just irritates me so much. But what's your take on I, them? I like them. I... Oh, dang. <laughs> all right. This is it. I knew it. I do. I kind of I... suspected for a long time you did, but... I mean, they just sort of sneak into Doctor Who by the back door. They they were briefly in A, a Good Man Goes to War. Uh, right. That's where we've seen the first. But this is the first real introduction. I think it's the one where we learn that they were supposedly the... Um, inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. Oh, uh, so uh, wrong. <laughs> but I love, I love Madame Vastra. Why? Uh, more than any of them, I, I think. She's, you know, Doctor Who just yeah, she, she's an example of what I think Doctor Who needs more of, which is this kind of ancient continuity, right? You know, and 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 also the idea that you know not all not all of the monster species that we see in the show are, are bad, right? There are good Silurians, and and she's one of them. She's been around for a long time, and she's sort of she. I, I think the Paternoster gang at, at several points in Smith and Capaldi sort of fills a need that the show has. Um, and they, in deep breath, they give Madame Vastra, they literally give her the Brigadier's line, right? Well, here we go again. Uh, when 
when she meets the this new regeneration of the Doctor. It's Brigadier's line from um, uh, Robot, I believe, or Planet of the Spiders, or whatever that regeneration was. Um, and uh, yeah, so I like I like her. I like that it's uh, Doctor Who's first gay couple. Um, you know, that the very was first. All right, well. All right. Well, okay. Not not count not counting the oh, uh, Captain Jack. Various, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, but he's yeah. There's a different, slightly different case. But you know, here they are living together, and it's sort of uh, it. It was nice representation. It was a little. I think uh, Strax is is great comic relief. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think he's great. I think he's predictable, lowbrow comic relief. And honestly, yeah. like to the sort of sensitivity question, I think it's not. It's it's borderline insensitive to have this like the the dumb looking character from the dumb looking species be the dumb guy. <laughs> I, I I'm just like be the butler. I mean, you know, I arguably okay. We've seen competent uh, uh sorry, Santarans. Mm. And this guy is sort of a, a, a different from what we've seen, but I'm just like I don't know. I just found, I think his humor is so forced and just dumb. And I don't know. I just find Vastra and Jenny just irritating. Just just like like Vastra is also kind of a Mary Sue. Jenny less so, but I, I just feel like they've got just nothing interesting to say and. They're just I, I around say, to being Deus Ex Machinas for the Doctor. When, and yeah. how do they even get here? What are they doing? Why is the Silurian even in London and has no interest in having her species re- resurrected at all? Or come like what? Like there's nothing. Like it's just oh well, we the Silurians are species here and we can have them. So why don't we put them mm-hmm. there? And why you know? And there's no there's no backstory. Like none. And uh, like what are these people's motivations even? Uh, to do any any of this stuff, it, it, it's never clear. Um, well, someone just... had to tell Clara to stop flirting with the Doctor, and uh, <laughs> so I'm glad that she did that. I will say that the Snowman, you know, I found their first outing pretty forgettable. Uh, I honestly couldn't tell you a single thing that they do in that episode, uh, and they became more real to me in their later appearances. Uh, literally, the one line that I can remember from the Snowman is uh, the. The, the cleverest response to meeting the TARDIS for the first time when Clara runs in and out and around and comes back in and delivers the line it's smaller on the outside <laughs> Which that was alright that was alright yeah. yeah you know you got, you got a few good lines like that in a Christmas special you're probably doing pretty well alright lots to, to keep talking about with Clara mm-hmm. and the, the Potternester gang but let's rewind again to 2011, to The Doctor, The Widow, and The Wardrobe. Now, I actually watched this one just the other day. Um, I think it's it's really great. It's very family-friendly in contrast to Last Christmas. Uh, I think Smith is terrific in this. It's his second Christmas special, but he's really gotten to the point of getting that sort of, you know, turn-on-a-dime playfulness where he's he's super like oh you know like he's he's got the house going and early on and impressing the kids with all the moving furniture and all the toys and the tree and all that stuff and he keeps saying i know and then his <laughs> conversation with the widow uh with madge mm-hmm. uh just after that is so good and so real um 
and hits the right emotional notes for what they've set up with the the deceased husband um and just just his very wise and observant um comments about her state and his sympathy mm. is all very evident and it's it really hits you and it thought like that this is good this is really really i saw you know i was like wow like smith is great and the writing's great here and it's you know we we knock moffat a lot but i mean he he can get it really good when he can't when he wants to and he really Mm. hit it out in the park with i'd say the first act of this one it's almost a foreshadowing of last christmas isn't it this notion of dealing with uh trauma and grief at christmas time you know, the hardest Definitely. time of the year to deal with it. Um, but I, I got to say, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm going to have to rewatch it myself because I found it so forgettable. I can barely mm-hmm. remember a thing in it. Uh, I do remember having a sort of slightly grubby feeling of like <laughs> so many British national treasures being packaged up and sold off to the Americans in this episode. Like, you know, the, <laughs> the, one of the kids like has giant Harry Potter glasses and, you know, and he goes through a wardrobe into a, a Narnia style situation. And I'm just like, Oh, it just, uh, well, what, what does that have to do with know? Americans? I don't understand. Well, you know, new, new who in general. And I think maybe the Christmas episodes, especially betray the sense of like, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to be, we're going to be cheery British types, right? You know, we're we're, we're going right, to we're going to lean into the stereotypes. Yeah, we're going to lean yeah, into the you. British stereotype. So it, it sort of just it, it makes me think of you know the times I go back to London and and you know the the the, the rampant tourism and uh, sometimes takes forms where you think oh we're we're just debasing ourselves now. <laughs> um, so it seemed like you know get off we, the plane. You want a Christmas up. cracker? <laughs> <laughs> It's like we're going to mash up Harry Potter and Narnia and uh, just, you know, and, and throw the doctor in there. And he's, he's you know, it's, it's homage to all of these uh, children's stories past. But, you know, with the schmaltzy music and uh, yeah, I don't know. I can see that. I'm going I'm to have to rewatch it. it I, I thought it was it, the first act is good. It kind of loses its way a little bit in the middle. Weird things happen. And I got to say, the, the the one thing that really ir- irritated me about it is that there's a continuity reference that is utterly unnecessary, which is oh. that the 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 people mining the forest, which kind of makes no sense because they're they're burning the forest with acid rain to get the energy, which is like ridiculous. And also, like, why would you do that? Have you do you know that trees are a renewable resource, and you could just plant them somewhere? And you wouldn't want to kill all the trees. You just wouldn't want to do that if you wanted. Mm. I don't know. But they call it, they're from Androzani, or Androzani Major, uh, which is obviously a reference to the Caves of Androzani, but it yeah. has z- zero anything to do with that episode. You know, there's no reference to Spectrox. There's no reference to what was clearly at the time a sort of uh ultra capitalistic colonial situation there were a lot of there's a lot of commentary back on in that episode this is nothing Mm. it's just a reference to a planet 
And it's not even, you know, it doesn't even make sense because the Androzani minor planet at the time, which admittedly wasn't this one, but it's also like it was a desert planet, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, and this, it's another one of Moffat's sort of, you know, uh, worst traits is that I'm going to throw in one one reference for the old fans. I'm going to throw in a name. Yeah, and that that'll be enough. They'll be happy, you yeah, know. You, you know, just just don't even bother. Yeah. I mean, because it ruins yeah. it. Uh, and that's 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 probably a line I'll utter many times <laughs> as we discuss mm. Moffat episodes. <laughs> Speaking of, let's rewind again uh, to 2010 to the first Matt Smith episode, uh, A Christmas Carol. Yeah, which I I like this one, and uh, I think maybe maybe the reason I didn't like the. Uh, the the widow and the wardrobe scene i can't even remember the full title anymore <laughs> uh is it sort of felt like like we we just had sort of two schmaltzy retellings of classic british tales right two christmases running you know so it just sort of felt a little bit kind of too much um and i think it, it you know maybe if they'd been reversed uh i might have been better if we'd had a year in between i don't know um but yeah, I, I liked Christmas Carol. I like the uh, the timey wiminess of it. Um, yeah, that's that's the best aspect of it. I, I really like Christmas Carol because I think they do use time travel extremely cleverly to retell that story, um, where Smith sort of goes back in time to sort of change his mm-hmm. past in front of him, which was kind of a fascinating idea, and they do it in a lot of clever ways, and they. Uh, it sustains itself for a while doing that, and I I, I really love the twist at the end because you're you're expecting like the Christmas future, mm. you know him him basically shipping uh, Kazrin, I think the character's name is into the future, but right. <clears throat> you know it's the big reveal. It's like oh, actually, I'm showing you right now, you are the future to your younger self who's right here. Mm. You know, I'm showing you right now your future. Do you want to become this person? That was a great twist. That was pretty sweet. My, uh, my Michael pro- Gambon, by the way, we should just say one one of the greatest actors. Oh uh, yeah, in in British history, fantastic, and, and just nails that role. My 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 only problem with the episode is, uh, given what we see, and I, we certainly get an incomplete picture of his life, of that character's life, but he has no reason to be evil. You know, mm. I mean, if with you, you really never get the counterweight. I yeah. mean, he's evil, and he has to be for the script. But and you get a little bit of his abusive father, um, which honestly, when I watched it with my kids, was very affecting to them. Which was very they they really were like, you know, looked at that and were very like, oh, he. There's a great line that Smith has in it where he's like, he didn't hit the boy, and they kind of fixated on that for a bit, which was kind of interesting to me. Um, hmm. You know, they were they were very like obviously sympathized with the kid and. Um, so I, I was very much like, are, are, is this too much for them? And I think they, they, you know, they were old enough that they, they figured it out. Um, but really, if you, all you see with, of Kazran is that he's shipping off with the doctor and, um, I forget, I forget the, the woman, woman's name, but they, hmm. they keep having these great adventures and you, you never see the, like, I'm evil. I've been trained to be evil, you know, the other 364 days of the year. And I, I, I'm going to reject this, you know, right. this, this part of myself. Um, it's that, just that, sort that, of generally grumpy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, and ending it with the, uh, the mezzo soprano 
bit with the singing in the clouds. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe dialed up a little too much on the Schmaltz meter. Maybe it lasted a little too long. Which is, you know. know, I'll give them some Christmas license for that. Yeah. Because it was... She, it, use, she uses the sonic screwdriver as a, as a microphone, doesn't she? Isn't that... Well, and there's 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 some fan um, issues with this one because the sonic screwdriver breaks. And to my knowledge, I, I, I did watch it just recently. He never quite gets it back. So it's unclear if he gets <laughs> it back or uh, gets a new one. And... This well, all, now of we course, know the TARDIS can just pop out Sonic screwdrivers anytime it likes. Problem, I though, like, for with, with, with the Smith era screwdriver, it presents a problem because of Day of the Doctor. And this is my big, mm. you know, continuity alert. Ah, you know, it point. has to be the same screwdriver. Excellent um, point. So that brings up two things. Did he get the screwdriver back? Or if he didn't, is... Is there like a cloud component to the screwdriver <laughs> that then means it doesn't need its physical form? Anyway, that's probably a whole other podcast. But it's all backed up in the cloud. It's fine. You just, right. You pay three bucks a month. You get your <laughs> screwdriver backup. It's all good. To to the Gallifrey <laughs> Azure uh, cloud. Um, yes. One one more thing about Christmas Carol. I will say that 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 was sort of the first. It was the first Moffat Christmas special, right? It was right. the first example of um, Moffat doing a thing early on that is loud enough to attract the attention of the whole living room. And and his thing in this episode is where where the ship is crashing, uh, and the captain says almost for no reason Christmas is cancelled. <laughs> you know, and I just think about that line. I think about everyone in living rooms across the UK going, "Oh no, what you know, horror! What? It's cancelled." Guess guess we'd better eat faster then. You know. <laughs> Consume People, all the chocolate, Doctor. You've only got forty-seven minutes, or whatever it was at that point. <laughs> So going back again, we Mm. are now on um, Tennant's last one, which I guess was the end of time, come to think of it. Yeah, well, that was sort of a Christmas one, right? It was half Christmas, half New Year. Right. Um, That was the year of the specials. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a Christmas episode. I don't know if we would talk about it in that same context. I mean, it was his regeneration episode. Um, or two-parter anyway. It had issues. Um, it wasn't bad, but it was also, like, it seemed a little too concerned with tying up a bunch of loose ends and um, yeah, bringing people they, back. <sighs> bring uh, Gallifrey back, only to disappear it again. I don't know. That 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 episode made me very glad that uh, Ross T. Davis was leaving the show. <laughs> yeah uh it all i almost had i almost hated it enough to say i'm not going to watch anymore like it almost had that kind of visceral well, moment of like oh too I'll much say, i'll say this about it 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 definitely has davies a lot of davies stuff and a lot of davies weakness particularly the introduction of the mysterious woman who off mm. uh you know unofficially is sort of the doctor's mother at least that's what davies said he intended but you know it was never explained um the so Davies you know that's, plan. that's yeah but that's that's such a davies move like with the ring previously with the you know and everything like that but um uh, what here's what i liked about it i did like a lot of the conversations like the conversation between wilf and the doctor about mm-hmm. you know regeneration some mortality there i really liked 
the other conversation, the second part where Wolf is trying to get him to take the gun and he's refusing it and he's really trying to stick a ten take a stand on his on his own mortality morality mm. my god mm-hmm. I, I, you could tell i've been drinking some wine right um <laughs> it doesn't like this morality conversation was good it's i don't yeah. think it was quite i don't think it's anywhere near as good as like say the conversation in genesis of the daleks right um but it's trying to sort of do something of that caliber and then but then it sort of reverses it quite right at the end which was dramatic and sort of sets up, you know, the stakes of the time war and whatnot, but um, always felt a little weird to me. But, you know, th- those bits of drama were pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, any time you have Bernard Cribbins in, in Doctor Who, I, I'm just, I'm always like 10 seconds away from weeping openly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard Cribbins was almost as an important a, a part of my childhood as, as Doctor Who was. He oh, was, I, yeah. yeah, he I was on screen also, all the time. I love the casting of um, Timothy Dalton. Yeah, I thought it was genius. He he was a great wrestler. Uh, would would have liked him to continue. Yeah, would role. would have loved would to have seen nice. him again. Uh, I'd really love to see the Dalton wrestler. Maybe Big Finish could could talk him into it. Um, yeah, Dalton. He he just doesn't. You know, what whatever character he plays, he doesn't get long to play it. It's it's kind of his divine right. trait. He's doc, he was uh, James oh Bond God. for a couple of movies, and he's the Ted yeah. McGinley of uh, <laughs> of British actors. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and I think the, the less said about the master's plot in this one, the better. It's, yeah, very uh, weird. And I, I I I hate that it doesn't make any sense. He he he's dying, but he has superpowers. Right. Which is like, okay, come on. Which is and it? and last of the time lords, you know, the sound of drums slash last of the time lords was so good, and yeah. then I feel this, this negated it by bringing it back. And yeah, it wasn't good. Um, all right, backing up again, we're da- back to two thousand eight and the next doctor. Ah, there's a two thousand nine. Yeah. Where are we? We're no two thousand eight. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, yeah. We we we've. Uh, I, I realized that we've missed uh, the uh, time of the doctor. <laughs> Well, right, the uh, the Matt Smith. Oh, did I? Skip which was that technically one? a Christmas one. Oh, it yeah, yeah. We we talked about it, it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You know, the town called we Christmas. Did, we did skip it. You're right. That was sort of shoe. It was so shoehorned in as a Christmas episode, right? It's like it had so much to do, so much mythological heavy lifting in that episode. Yeah. Well, it's it's it was a shame that if it followed Day of the Doctor, which was fantastic. Mm. And hit every beat uh, and every plot point and every you know day of the doctor was was so complete, um, and it was like oh we have one more thing to do he has to regenerate and so they you know he he has to follow this epic with some other epic and he did something different and I respect that but it's also like I don't know it was it was long past the point where Stephen Moffat his his you know his imagery is is his. Focus on clever dialogue and, and th- this idea that he's just going to wallpaper over story with with this yeah. kind of stuff, these these imaginative ideas like having a planet called Christmas and and witty dialogue with you know Smith having another flirty relationship with another uh, strong woman, and it's like wait a minute you know no you know you're you're you've got no clothes dude like there's no story <laughs> here there is there, nothing makes sense. Yeah, I'm sorry. the doctor literally had no clothes in that, uh, which was <laughs> True, yeah. the weirdest part of that whole episode. Just super creepy. 
very bad idea. You, you know, you do kind of wish in some Moffat episodes that someone had been there to just say, no, Stephen, no. Well, there's Step that, away from that, idea. That, that Christmas idea of like, let's shock people and like mm. get them like to put down their, their Christmas drinks for a minute and, and watch. And it's like, yeah, but it also it's not good. Yeah, don't want to have to think about the Doctor Naked for, you know, longer than I have to. <laughs> um, but all right, let's, let's go back, back, back again. into the Tenant era. Wow, I'm glad, I'm glad you corrected me there. I didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to slam, <laughs> leave a good Moffat slam on the table. Um, <laughs> so we got the next Doctor, uh, which is yeah. actually, I, I have a, a, a soft spot for this one. Even though I, I wasn't a big fan at the time, I, I watch, I've had it, I've, I've had many repeated viewings of the next Doctor, and it's like, this is fun. This is pretty cool. I'm all about fake doctor reveals, like <laughs> fake doctor regenerations. You know, it makes me think of uh, Mordrin Undead and stuff like that. Right. Where you just sort of think, is this actually a future version of the Doctor? I don't know. You know, I, I it, it's it's a little hackneyed, but I love it every time. And, what I uh, obsessed over at the time, which was such a fan thing to obsess over, um, was that they. I knew it was going to be. Uh, this is when I. I probably had more spoilers than I would usually care to have absorbed. Um, I knew it was going to be in Victorian London and I knew it was going to have the Cybermen. And I probably kind of inferred that just from the trailer or the teaser Mm -hmm. that they had. But uh, I thought, awesome. We're going to see a steampunk Cybermen finally or something. And they never did it. I mean, they kind of had these cyber shade things, which weren't really that, but I kind of wanted to see desperate Cybermen in the Victorian era trying to amass an army using the technology of the time and and building these sort of primitive looking but still formidable cybermen and they did that just never sort of happened and i thought what a missed opportunity yeah villains kind of tend to take a back seat in christmas specials it's a little weird they they get uh again sort of slightly shoehorned in um and uh, not not to take it back again to time of the doctor but that was the ultimate example i thought of like you know weeping angels were on on the screen for five seconds the daleks were on screen for five seconds well, you know when, he, I disagree when he's with defending you on this episode just because i feel yeah. like the next doctor is one of the least christmassy of all the christmas episodes and that true it's really more of a continuation of sort of the stuff we saw in doomsday and was just kind of like, here's some, you know, we're doing a Cyberman episode that happens to be happening in Christmas. It's more of a more of a diehard thing almost. Um, <laughs> what I yeah, did well, like, which, and 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 the uh, you know the British equivalent of diehard is a Christmas movie is like anything that's Victorian with snow falling is a Christmas special, <laughs> right? That's right. <laughs> that's all you need. You just need those two elements. I gotta say, it does have one of the best like set pieces of all of modern who I have to say with, with the graveyard scene. It's, it's one of my favorites with such a great line from, um, uh, whoever plays Hardigan. Um, the, the, the fake doctor was uh, David Morrissey. No, no. Um, uh, Hardigan, Miss Hardigan. Um, oh, okay. Der, mm-hmm. Dervla Kirwan. I'm totally probably, I'm just looking that up right now. And then that's, totally messing up the pronunciation of her name, but I really liked the scene, but she, she's just so angry at these aristocratic gentlemen who have treated her so badly. And, um, it's, it's, you really feel it. And she comes in and she's, she sort of owns the scene and they're like, who the hell are you? What are you doing? Get out of here. 
and then you start to hear the Cybermen marching in the background, and you, mm. you kind of know what's going to happen. And she she tells them, you know, like none of you ever like you know in all our dealings, and it's strongly implied, you know, as as sort of a harlot that they've all had relations with her. And mm. then she she kind of says, "You none of you have ever sort of asked my first name," and she says, "Like it's mercy." And then like the Cybermen sort of come in just as she sort of says that and then just slaughter everybody. And it's like, it's really kind of heavy stuff for a Christmas episode. Like it's, <laughs> it's one of the ones I have not watched with my kids, but it's like, I yeah. just really like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Like it's one of the coolest sort of set pieces. I, I think the modern series has done, especially because it's set in a graveyard. Isn't it amazing? I have no memory of that. I, I, I do need to go back and rewatch this one. Yeah. And it's um, also the first episode that introduces the cyber leader design where you see the brain. You know, there's like a transparent uh, casing, which is I don't know why, but it is a, it's it's a good reminder that these are supposed to be people who yeah. have been converted. I I feel like my my whole attention in the episode was entirely taken up by this question of the fake doctor and right. how did that happen? It was just I I don't I didn't even have the bandwidth for the Cybermen in that episode. Yeah. It's a, like I say, I, I guess I'm saying it's a it's a mm. good Cyberman episode. Not great, mm. but good. Um, let's back up again to the Voyage of the Damned, which of course mm. was famous for having uh, Kylie Minogue, Australia's pop star. princess. Yeah, and uh, and and famous still. I think it is still the highest uh, viewing figures, right, for any Doctor Who episode in the UK, uh, possibly around nice. the world. Yeah, it no, was, I believe it was it. huge. Well, also, Doctor, it's just so it it shows just how like Doctor Who was really taking off at the time, and mm. obviously thanks to Davies and Tennant and all, all the talent. But I mean, Kylie, you know, you get that you sign her. Yeah, you get her that pushes it over to. the top. Uh, but honestly, I got to say, this one was is probably it might, it's probably my second favorite. Like wow. I, I really like it. Um, it's super fun. I think Tennant has probably more chemistry with her than, than he has with any of the other companions. Um, and I just love the idea of, like, it's the Poseidon adventure in space, basically. <laughs> very, very basically, yeah. They, they, <laughs> right down, the upside-down uh, components of the ship. I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I I could never quite connect this one. It always seemed a little too cheesy, and um, I can't now disassociate it from having read The Writer's Tale, which I highly recommend, by the way. If any listener hasn't read that book, or if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. It's uh, emails between it. <laughs> <laughs> it's emails between Ross and T Davies and uh, the Doctor Who magazine writer Benjamin Cook, and uh, who calls himself Invisible Ben. He just wants to be inside Davies' uh, writing process. And this is one of the episodes that he writes about. So you you see, and it, it's one of those things where you don't always necessarily want to see behind the scenes because you see how he just kind of pulls stuff out of his ass. Um, like that whole thing of, you know, the, uh, the robots on the ship who say information. Um, like he, he wrote, he just... He just pulled that out of nowhere because he thought it sounded like a good thing that kids would repeat on the playground the next day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually, I thought the robots that. were kind of one of the creepier, kind of better elements of it because they're all yeah. they're all like angels, and so they're, they're just kind of like, you know, seemingly helpful, nice, 
people here mm-hmm. to help you and uh, save you, in fact, and they end up being like, you know, monsters, essentially. And then the, they twist again at the end, and I just, you know, it has that very powerful, uh, you know, it's 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 pro- arguably over the top and, and uh, somewhat hilarious where they sort of grab the doctor and float him up, and it's... I don't know. For me, I thought, oh, man, it's yes, I get that this is kind of ridiculous, but it's awesome. Like, I was just like, they're, they're, they're both taking the doctor. They're two angels just lifting him yep. up. And it's like, of course, of course they would. Why yeah, would that, they not? That was classic Davies, you know, the doctor as a god kind of moment. And I do, right? I do remember the design a bit. And I, I was a little reminiscent of the robots of death in the whole in the old mm. series, which I was like, you know, that's that's obviously a classic. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just I cool. thought I thought his chemistry was good. I thought uh, all the stuff with Wilf, uh, you know, it's like mm-hmm. one of the, pretty much the first time you see him, I think. And I really like. Do, do we know that he's Donna's grandfather at, at that point? He's I don't not... think so. Yeah. Um, he's just sort of introduced. And uh, but I do remember the. Um, it was the first sort of self-aware maybe not the first but it was it was a very self-aware episode because uh i like that london had essentially self-evacuated at christmas because of all the mm. disastrous stuff that had happened the previous couple of years which was like that that makes a ton of sense yeah <laughs> like, except for her majesty you know i i have issues with the voyage of the damned it just it, it got too silly for me the uh the cruise ship characters were too silly uh mr copper was it who's you know showing them around london and gets literally everything wrong about it just kind of tilted over a little too much into red dwarf kind of territory for me you know i know it's it's christmas it's supposed to be a bit silly but it just i couldn't suspend disbelief for this one the for me the best effect of voyage of the damned is um in turn left in the next season remember where you uh that's the reason that that london is suddenly consumed by a nuclear explosion is because the doctor wasn't around to stop the starship titanic from uh crashing into buckingham palace and then boom and london's nuked essentially yeah and then suddenly everything goes fascist and i love that because it's an exploration of what happens when the doctor isn't around and how bad things can get and it felt very sort of uh very of its day very you know war on terror commentary-esque so and, and i'm sure this was a much more boring episode in that universe um <laughs> so jumping back again we only got two more you can you can yep. you can get through this chris i'm we've ready already, we've already gone probably 45 <laughs> minutes longer than we thought but we can do it we have the runaway bride uh yeah yeah. Oh, another one where I just it was just a bit too much. There's too much going on. Um couldn't really get into it. Love the setup. Kind of a uh, lame that... villain too, I feel like, yeah. which is interesting cuz I we've just been teased in the next season that the, they're bringing back the Ragnos. I saw that in the uh the teaser. Oh. Um, unless I've completely misread that, uh, but I'm pretty sure that I saw Rachnos for like half a second in in the teaser of the new season. But the the Rachnos is is sort of the big bad in this one, and I just thought it was like, uh, mm. okay, a big spider thing, basically a spider centaur. 
Yeah, not uh, nothing in this episode. I think the big problem with Runaway Brown is it is nothing lives up to that sort of initial shock of yeah. seeing Donna and the TARDIS for the first time. Well, and them saying what at each other. Exactly, and I feel like it's it's almost a writer's exercise in like they they just did that. I mean, I don't know what the the whole uh, process was, but it sounds like they just did that. Write yourself in a corner, write yourself out, and they did. And it was like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, and you kind of like, sure, mm. you know, it's some particle thingy. And, uh, you know, luckily, like, you know, they showed the tenant and um, uh, Donna, uh, Catherine Tate, were, were really great together. And yeah. honestly, I got to say, you know, we're going to explore this more in the future, but I thought she, she's my favorite companion mm-hmm. of, of the Davies era. I think she really works. Uh, She's awesome. I'm glad they brought her back. I'm glad they really explored and deepened their relationship. Uh, you know, still choked up about the Dr. Donna ending. Right. But, uh, but here, this first outing, you know, other than as a screen test for their chemistry, eh. Yeah, not a lot. Although you get, yeah. you get to see the TARDIS kind of like fly fly for one of the first <laughs> times in the new series, which is kind oh, of neat. It, it, saves her in joke. The, it saves her in the taxi and it's spinning around above the traffic. I mean, that was that was a pretty wild scene. Yeah, it was, was, it was memorable. At least. And there were some moments of like, you know, mobiles and cash stops and, you know, every other British term for these things. But I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it seemed very real world. And uh, in a broad sense, I will say that the Davies era mm. felt more real to me by an order of magnitude than anything that's come since, hmm. uh, particularly anything written by Moffat. Um, so this this definitely cried out that. You know, yeah. I think Donna, in a sense, exemplifies that. Uh, the, she the, does. The real world. She's the realist it. companion in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. She's the person you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Let's, oh, we're, we're here. Here we are. The very first <laughs> Christmas special Christmas from invasion. 2005. Wow. Yeah. That's like long ago. Fans of the yeah. show weren't even, some fans of the show weren't even born yet. Um, but it's the Christmas invasion. Yeah, which which I, I loved. I mean, it's yeah. it's a great episode. It's solid. It's I like that it keeps the Doctor out of it as much as it does. Dude, Harriet Jones, one of the yes. all time best guest characters, uh, Penelope Wilton, of course, really criminally underused in the series. I mean, she is so great mm-hmm. in this episode. She was great in her debut. Um, she's great when they brought her back for Journey's End. But like, wow, she she really yeah. owns it. She is awesome. Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. Yeah, she's she's wonderful, and the the way that they write her out at the end is definitely a sign of the times. It was very of its era. I don't think you could do that today. Of just like you know, the, the Doctor bringing her down by saying she looks tired, right? Spreading the word that she looks tired, which was a very um, it was for for most British people watching that was very much a reference to Margaret Thatcher. Um, you know, sort of towards the end of her tenure in Downing Street, uh, had that kind of whisper campaign against her. Um, but it's kind of the Doctor weaponizing uh, sex and sexism in politics. Somewhat, yeah. I think he was. Yeah. It's a. It's very. It's it's a very memorable sort of moment, and it's also like where we see the Doctor, kind of angrier 
than we've seen mm. him. We only seen him like that in that sort yes. of like I'm taking you down kind of way to to a real character anyway a few times, especially someone as sort of beloved as we were just sort of saying as Harriet Jones, which, you know, it's understandable what he does within the context of the episode, but it's also like there's this darker edge to him that hasn't been fully, uh, uh, I guess, glossed over yet. Or, or Right. It hasn't been excised by, right. you know, That's the, the, better word. The, the transformation from Eccleston to uh, Tennant has not fully taken the darkness out of him. That's almost our first our first moment of the oncoming storm. Yeah. And as of, um, as a kid friendly episode, it works really well. Um, there are, you know, um, there's nothing really over the top. There's the bit at the, the fight at the end. Um, there's a good sort of like, uh, you got to remember this was 2005, right? We did, we didn't have all the new doctor who lore. We didn't know what elements they were going to use or ignore from the old series. And really, it ended up being the most important episode in a lot of ways in the new series because it was the first one that was like, well, aliens are common knowledge now, and right. everybody knows about them, and you know they invaded the whole world, and now that's that's the world we live in. And, um, and the hand, uh, the, the Doctor's lost hand, ends up being the thing he regenerates a different version of himself from right way down the line yeah it definitely set something up i don't think they knew what they were setting up but yeah. it was uh it was huge but the the, but, the change in like the world started doing that 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 was a road they went down which was i was all for it at the time but i was also a couple seasons into it i was very like well if aliens are real everyone knows about them and invasions are commonplace like the world starts to look less and less like our world. Yeah. And yeah, I don't and know they, if they I like had that. to hit, they had to hit the reset button on that down the line. Right. Yeah. And they did. But they, and then they reset. did and they didn't, you know what I mean? And yeah. now it's, it's kind of like the problem. What the, I don't like how they solved it because basically they didn't really solve it in this show. They solved it by Stephen Moffat, just kind of shrugging mm. and just sort of like, whatever, take what you want and leave what you don't. And it's like, well, that's fine as a unofficial, thing that we just all do i don't think it's good as a show policy mm. yeah i think the the best things about the christmas invasion are, are not to do with christmas at all or, or it's christmasy elements um as much as i love the spinning christmas tree yeah uh which was was a great teaser by the way uh that that they used they, they would just show that scene and that that was a shouting above the din of christmas day moment if ever i've seen one uh, and you the know, Santa Clauses with the projectiles yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, you know who, the horns. That was it. Perfect Doctor Who moment of like just taking an everyday object and making you scared of it, uh, making you hide behind the sofa from your Christmas tree. The last thing I uh, observe about the episode is it's kind of I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, but David Tennant isn't in it all that much. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Is I I really like it as a first Doctor episode. As a, a first episode right, of a I got you. generation, because it, with every single, you know, first episode of a new Doctor, you you go back and you watch and you're like, well, this is weird. This isn't quite him. You know, the hairstyle's a bit wrong, and it just he's he's not himself yet. He hasn't grown into, you know, the mannerisms that we'll know and love. Um, and in David Tennant's place, he's uh, case he's he, he's pretty much playing. 
Um, oh God, what was the series that he did? Uh, Casanova. Right. He's pretty much Casanova because that was the last thing he'd worked with Russell T Davies on uh, in this. But just sort of Casanova as the Doctor. You know that 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 smirk, that sort of, you know, the the, the hair all over the place, the longer hair. It just, uh, you know, doesn't feel like ten yet. Uh, and I just love those episodes for, for going back and, and reminding ourselves how how new each Doctor looked. Yeah, I just feel like he didn't have to do what every subsequent Doctor has done, which was have like a full episode that he's carrying, even mm. though it's a regeneration episode. Um, and we don't we don't really get a full sense of him until the next one. Um, and I don't know if this, you know, obviously it was the first time they did it in the new series, so they they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like Tennant doesn't have a proper introduction episode in the way that all the other Doctors do, um, which is a little weird. Um, he has moments in this one, and he has that sort of classic line uh, where he says, um, what kind of man am I? And I think he... he Gets rid of the Sycorax and the most weird, the Sycorax leader in the, <laughs> it was like the most ridiculous Deus Ex Machina moment where he he takes the apple or the ball and throws it against some button on the side of the ship that just happens to open the <laughs> the, the floor underneath the guy where he's running at it, which is like, what, why would you have a button that does that? Or a hull that does that, or a, like, why would that ever happen or work? Yeah, they um, need to go back to the spacecraft designer on that one. But he and he says like, no second chances. I'm that sort of a man, and which is like, okay, you're you're a badass. Except he wasn't really mm. in his run. Um, yeah, but it does yeah, again, set they, up. They, they just hadn't figured it out. What I'll what I'll say it does set up one of the better sequels in the comic books. It wasn't a comic book; it was a comic strip in Doctor Who magazine uh-huh. uh, called "The Widow's Curse," which was about mm-hmm. the Sycorax wives essentially taking revenge uh, on uh, the Earth because of like that the ship was destroyed. And mm-hmm. there's there's a great line in the comic, which uh, the Doctors you know they're they're unleashing their final weapon or whatever on the earth which it actually happens to involve zombies which is kind of cool and the doctor's begging the sycorax leader you know you know humanity deserves a second chance and she says no second chances with that sort of a clan <laughs> and it's like oh wow all right it sort of throws his words back into space which i really liked Burn. ah that, that, that's good to know i i do I, I do like the comic strips. Uh, there are way too many of them, and uh, it's always good to hear when there's a good one. I will you say, know. and this is just random, uh, Hunters of the Burning Stone, the best, amazing mm. story. But we'll we'll talk about that maybe uh, mm. in a future podcast because we've come to the end of this one, Chris. I wow. know you thought it would never come because there were freaking <laughs> 13 or 14 of these things we were talking about. But, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the stroll down Christmas memory lane. It was good, and I promise uh, to you and whoever's listening still that we'll pro- we'll be a little more focused in future episodes and try to keep it to <laughs> one and maybe down to an hour at the most. But um, you, you know what, this was Pete. This this was our first Doctor episode. This was <laughs> we don't right? we haven't quite figured out what our character is yet. We still got 
regeneration energy hanging around. Well, I, I kind of thought you meant it was like first doctor in that Hartnell era, <laughs> 12 episodes, and most of them are padding. And you really just have a couple of good lines. Yeah, and we're really, really crushed here. an hour. We're just we're not heroes yet, you know. All right, well, there's uh, new Doctor Who coming. We'll have yeah. lots to talk about, whether it's new stuff, our favorite stuff, or all the stuff, um, and including comic strips. But it'll, I look forward to it. This has been really fun. Yeah, me too. All right, guys, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Assuming there's something you can subscribe to, there's probably a button somewhere. <laughs> yes, uh, click here. Tune in next time where we talk about more Doctor Who and we'll have more ideas about what we're talking about next time, the next time. And uh, we will see you out there in the universe. Take care. Next time. I like what you did there.